This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich, and the episode is called Why Story Designers Make Better Leaders. As always, I'll kick off today's episode with a quick story before introducing my guest. A few years ago, I was working with a business coach named Liz, who wanted to power up her storytelling to land more clients. We focused on discovering her prospects' stories, understanding what really makes them tick, so she could craft content they would relate to. Great stories begin with empathy, putting yourself in your prospects and clients' shoes, discovering what they're going through, showing them you understand. Our work together focused on making Liz a better marketer. But after a few weeks, Liz told me our work together also made her a better coach. I'm listening more. I'm connecting more, she said. I'm still sharing the same tips and guidance as before, but it feels more natural, personal, and customized. It feels like they get it more. My response, they get it more because you get them. When you understand your prospects and clients, when you empathize with them more effectively, they know it. They know you get them, and they open their hearts and minds to you. That's the case when you're marketing to prospects. That's the case when you're coaching clients. That's the case when you're leading employees. My guest today knows all about that. His name is Mike Wittenstein, and he is founder and managing partner at Story Miners. Mike guides leaders to create the most value for their customers, employees, and shareholders. And he does it by helping his clients design powerful stories. Mike Wittenstein, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thomas, I'm so excited to be here, especially with a kindred spirit when it comes to story. So thanks for yeah. having me. Let's get into it. Let's let's get to it. So story design, the title of the episode, story design, the bio, story design. What do we mean when we talk about designing a story, story design? Well, it means that you don't have to wait for something to happen to tell a story about it. You can be the architect of what's going to happen and share that story. It's very powerful. Yeah. And so when you give us an example, when you say you can uh, craft a story, design a story about what's going to happen, how might that work in a business with a leader and employees, for example? So many folks are faced with return to work scenarios right now. Mm-hmm. The questions that I'm reading about are, do we have to come back to work? Do we get to choose? Do we get to choose our hours? Do we have to sit in the same place? Do we have to bring our own computers or are you paying for them? And on and on and on. If you just lay down a few rules, like we've heard some of the big companies do, we're all going back to the office. It's going to be nine to five, Monday to Friday. 
it leaves people with a huge gap and they start filling that gap with all the bad headlines that they see in the news every day. Oh, it's going to be awful for me. That's not fair. I don't think we should do that. It's not going to be safe and on and on. A, a more enlightened leader might say something along, and I'll just pick a different you know, set of circumstances. They might say, you know, we're going to be going back to the office now. And for different people, that's going to mean different things. We're going to feel this out as we go. Here's an example of what Sarah in accounting is going to be doing. We've had conversations with her just like we will with you and blah, blah, blah. Here are the details. And Frank, the mechanic, it has a different set of responsibilities because he has to be where the trucks are and know he can't really work from home because he doesn't have a service bay in his living room. So here's how we're working things out with him. Letting people know just those two scenarios lets them know that there'll be a scenario for them, that there's going to be a conversation, there'll be some accommodations. Those are some of the fine details that you can put into a story without having to use big words like accommodation, things like that. Yeah, right. People just kind of pick up the patterns and go with it from there. Yeah, and, and so how do you design that story? How do you as the business leader know what to say and why you're going to oh, talk about the mechanic or the person in accounting or whatever the yeah, case may be. What a good question. In my opinion, the most important thing to do is something that you already talked about in your intro story um, when you were talking about getting to know your prospects. Before you can tell a good story, you have to listen. And a lot of leaders need to learn how to listen because for the last 20 or 40 or 60 years, and many leaders run on their grandfather's brains when it comes to business, and you know, they just haven't updated the firmware as often. Um, they think that barking out new numbers and targets is enough. And in a steady state world, like in the 1950s, when we were laying down interstates and putting a Howard Johnson's in a gas station at every intersection, growth was pretty predictable. And you could just kind of say how things are going to work. But it's not like that anymore. Everything is so unpredictable. So what we need to do, what leaders need to do, is walk around and listen. They need to change up some of the sources that they use for information. They need to check their stories with real people in their audience, especially their employees, before they announce it publicly. And listen to what people say and make an adjustment. They say in so many different ways that a leader's ability to change or an organization's ability to change depends on an individual's ability to change. So the most important thing for leaders is to listen and to be willing to show in public the change process that they're going through. That will get its evidence for the employees, its authenticity and practice, and it lets people know that you're a real person. Those I can't tell you how important those three things are. That's beautiful. And, and, and for the leader who is saying, yeah, I get this philosophically, I'm, I'm ready. I want to listen. I want to empathize. I want to understand the stories and be able to design the stories that will be relevant to my employees. What does it look like? I mean, the, the leader does not just step out of the office from time to time, oh yeah, you know, that yeah. Mike guy on Tom's podcast told me I need to listen. <laughs> so I'm going to start walking okay. around and listening a little bit. No, we we it, can have two conversations not... right now. We can have a kind of a clickbaity newsy conversation where I just say pithy things and yeah. we'll go down the path of, wow, that sounded really good. Now what do I do? Or we can uh, kind of uncover a little bit more detail. Yeah, what, what would your audience like? Let's lift the lid on this thing and and uh, get to where you know what mm -hmm. what you're talking about 
when okay. you talk about right. listening is okay. developing habits and mm -hmm. implementing systems. And so what is the, the condensed recipe or game plan for developing a listening habit, for putting a system of listening in place so that you can design those powerful stories? Okay. There's been so much written about listening systems and customer experience, customer service, total quality control, Six Sigma, all these different things have a component in there where you listen to what's going on in the real world. The folks that are doing startups right now are practicing listening. They go out and talk to customers. They find their market before they start doing anything. And they just fail, fail, fail until they run out of failures, you know, AKA Edison and his filaments for the light bulb and voila, there they are. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of that. I think that that can work, but it also wastes a tremendous amount of time and resource. If that's the only way you have to go, okay, it's, it's, it's okay. In my opinion, the right leaders in the right roles, if hopefully you're one of those folks here, you know, um, are able to bring some design and creativity and some intuition to the table to mix with all those extant observable phenomena that we try mm -hmm. to statisticize, you know? Right. Business is all about, you know, optimizing things. But when you're designing something new, particularly a story, you're actually creating several different systems that work together at the same time. In order for your story of the future to work, you have to have a framework for it. So you don't know how to listen until you have that framework for where you want to go and what you want to do. Because otherwise you're, you're just hearing words and they don't have any meaning for you and you can't add any value. Does that make sense so far? That makes sense so far. Okay. Keep going. All right. So one of the things that we like to work with is the notion of a reason for being. Different than a mission statement, which is all aspirational, a reason for being says what value you create for whom and how they are advantaged as a result. So it's not about how much money I'm going to make or my company is going to make. It's not about shareholder return. It's not about twitty-twitty stuff, not about money. It's about the value that you create for others. Once yep. you get clear on what that is, you can start to see things from lots of different perspectives and you can start to put your own mental model together, which as a leader is your job. You can't really listen unless you have that mental model in place. Now you can, two caveats, you can listen to learn how to make your model in the first place or to improve, but you have to bring that idea of where you want to go and where things need to go. Not that you yeah, should I'm do gonna, that by yourself. I'm going to pause and recap something you said, because it is so, so critical. You can't listen effectively anybody can go out and listen, but what is it that they're hearing? You, you can't listen effectively unless you have the model and the reason, I, I forget your exact words, the framework mm -hmm. uh, for why you're doing it. And why you're doing it in the model that you were just describing gets down to creating value for the people you're there to serve. And as a leader, you're there to serve both your clients and your coworkers. And, sure. and so we're back and to your that shareholders. empathy thing. Yeah. Or sh and shareholders, that's right. Yeah. And So your and, story needs to work for all three of those, those groups. It's, it's essential. Um, yeah. I was working, I'm going to see if I can pull something out of, the, out of my hat here. 
Um, I was working recently with a company that um, promotes regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. And I was asleep for most of seventh grade because I was much more interested in the little girl sitting across the science table from me and we were passing notes back and forth. So I missed a few days of, uh, of that. But what I learned is that in this world of regenerative agriculture, you're basically trying to make the soil healthier so the plants will be healthier so the animals that eat the plants and the humans that eat the plants and the animals will be healthier as well. We also learned that by practicing regenerative agriculture, that there are some local systemic effects. Water stays in the ground more. Uh, carbon is sequestered underground. There's a richer variety of microorganisms. Nutrients in the food go up and all of that. So what we landed on as a kind of a reason for being for this company was that was just good. They, that's not a complete sentence, okay? But everything has to be good for the equation to work for this particular company. It wasn't just the shareholders had to be good, or just the soil had to be good, or just the plants. We were looking to change the way agriculture is done, incentivized, operated, measured, um, validated, uh, the different brand new measurement techniques, so that everything could be good. And it's really, it's a microcosm for how most business decisions, most business decisions work. Businesses can't work on their own. They have to work with other companies and for customers, be they customers, individuals, or companies with lots of people in them. So you've got to be good at not only creating outcomes for yourself, but creating outcomes for others at the same time. We live, another example, we live in a very partisan, politicized world right now. Thank you. We, we all know what the reasons are, I think. Um, and unfortunately, everything is either or. It's like only one side wins. Good business, good story is about good design. And design is about giving not one side everything they want. And it's not about politics where both sides get less than they want. It's where everyone gets everything that they need. I don't, I don't mean to make it sound socialist, communist, anything kind of weird, but if you look at almost any business transaction um, and the people involved, the better ones create good for everyone. So just like the regenerative agriculture client, um, good for everyone is a really good framework for going in to listen. So last comment, when, when you're going in as a leader to listen, and we're coming back around to your question, you need to be listening for what others' needs are for the outcomes that others need. And you need to be listening for what they're going to do when they get that outcome from you. Because you might find that there's a better way for you to organize what you do or a better way to help them achieve what they need to do. And that's what creates a richer, tighter knitting together. And that's where the stories get told, where each little piece comes together is a story point. I hope that makes sense. And that does make sense. And, and, your work often begins with helping the leaders in the company. And I want to go back to my story and mm -hmm. ask if you've experienced that. Really, it was an epiphany for my client where she was sort of like, hey, this stuff that we're doing for marketing's sake 
listening, storytelling, mm-hmm. empathizing. Yeah, connecting. yeah, yeah. Seems to be working for service delivery's sake. How about that? And <laughs> I experience that with my clients on a regular basis. That was one of many examples of that. And I'd like you to share how that plays out with you and your clients when, you know, because you talk about really three different constituencies, the shareholders, the clients, the coworkers. And, and, and so you're committed to this idea that storytelling works across the whole spectrum. And I'd, I'd like you to share with, with our audience, your experience with your clients. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to switch in my own mind uh, clients right now and go to a couple of other uh, examples. So we're going to leave architecture behind and we're going to go into education and travel for a minute. I'm going to try to keep it generic. So it'll be nice and quick. You've heard that, you know, the word bias and the thing about bias is you don't know if you have it or not. That's, it's, it's a giant blind spot for lots of us. Um, I've learned over the last few years that, that I'm biased in certain ways. Good storytelling, especially good story design, helps bring out the bigger picture that you can't see so that you can discover how you fit into a bigger whole. That is part of any really good leadership story. There's a, an, almost like a, a shedding of your, a molting of your skin, if you will, like a snake. You leave behind the view of yourself as, oh, I'm just in the shipping department and I better get these pieces of paper in and those products out and here's my measure and here's my paycheck and I get my pool. It's not that simple. Getting people to care about what's going on in the rest of the organization is probably one of the best gifts any leader can give to their teams. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways to do that is to tell the stories of what happens between the shipping department and the insurance department and what happens on the customer's loading dock and what happens over here in the executive suite, okay? When when the leader listens enough and can start to see what the impacts over here create over here, they give everybody the opportunity to be the hero. Everybody gets to carry the ball, down the next 10 lines, get a first down, and people start to see the business as a system. That's not new thinking. For years, people in factories and even in McDonald's kitchens have used the phrase shop-wise. They hear on the factory floor, they kind of get a feel for what's going on. As a kid in high school who worked at a McDonald's, I could tell how busy the front was, even though my back was to the lobby when I was cooking burgers or doing fries or something, because you could hear all the buzzers and how quickly they went off and you knew how busy things were. So really good storytellers are going to paint that broader picture and show everyone how they weave in and how important they are. And when everyone knows how important they are and how they weave in, how does that then transfer as a benefit to the customer? Well, what happens is people take attention off of what's most important to them and they start seeing the client's outcome as you know whatever your sport is, the football that's moving down the field. So the idea is you help the client achieve their ends while you're achieving yours. So you're creating those multiple kinds of good. 
the even more advanced companies are looking at how do we leave our people better off along the way as well. So the client's getting what they want, the business is getting what it needs, and the people are better off too. To get specific about that, because I anticipate you're going to ask me, how do you get specific about that? Um, I've often, uh, we, do, we practice this internally, but I often recommend it to clients. Um, every time you do a deal, add a line to the contract that talks about what each side is going to learn from the other. There's no compensation for it, but if you're extant, if you're obvious, if you're mindful about what you are going to share and teach other people, they become better off. And if you think about your learning as one of your strategic assets and elevate those conversations on what we're going to learn to the executive suite, all of a sudden, there's this magic that happens in the organization where people start realizing I'm learning the most important stuff here. This yeah. I learned this today and I'm using it tomorrow. You know, people that don't do that are still learning COBOL instead yeah. of the newest stack for ARVR or something else. So yeah, hope that makes sense. And, and your your understanding that those who are still learning that might be frustrated, might be feeling, you know, there may be a desire to learn the latest stack and understanding why there that desire exists. That's the part about understanding the stories and understanding mm -hmm. the needs and feeling that that empathy for your employees. And and what you were just describing about being able to understand how those outcomes are serving the client and and that that drives uh, a sense of fulfillment and a sense of of mission within the organization that aligns so beautifully for how we frame storytelling for marketing and for business in general we talk about the 3 e letter e storytelling method and the first e is empathy you have to understand what are the needs what are the frustrations it applies to your coworkers it applies to your clients and your prospects yeah, yeah. then you have to also understand and envision what the future looks like that's the second e envisioning okay what's the before to after journey the before is the empathy the envision is the after the journey and then either as a marketer or a leader you have to help understand and guide them from that before to that after or the third e enable them and what so many leaders do, what so many marketers do, is they'll just start in and say, here's what we're doing. Here's what's, yeah. here's, here's, here are the tasks. Here's the plan. Here's the strategic plan. And, and it is not, it's just rooted in a set of activities and tasks and orders in the workplace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it's rooted in, in a set of, uh, products, product descriptions, features, maybe a little bit of benefit stuff, but yep. pitches, buy this product. And when you do that without the empathy and the envision, nobody buys in. Nobody, yeah. the, there's no story around it. So we're really talking about the same approach in, in slightly different language, but uh, very, very similar. And I, I see a lot of similarity there. Um, the place where uh, at Story Miners, we've developed the most, um, I guess, intellectual property or technique is around the envision. 
you know, mm-hmm. how do you actually see the future? Mm-hmm. We think because of, um, there, there's so much attached to that word um, of, of the future. Many of us believe that we can't even make a dent in what's going to happen, that it's not really ours to command. We believe in fate or we don't feel we're good enough or whatever the other reasons are that I've heard so many times. But you can get a crystal clear picture of the future. And if you start sharing it, people will start adding to it. They'll make mm-hmm. it more their own. So this idea of listening first and then starting to shape that vision of what tomorrow looks like by sharing stories from the future mm-hmm. of how it's going to f- affect the mechanic or the assistant or the vice president. Let people do something that they love to do when they're listening to stories. They get to see through the story how somebody else reacts to something new that you say. And, and Tom, something else, one of the really cool things that happens is, as leaders learn to tell stories is they find out that when they share a story about people in the organization and their responses to a change or to a new idea, of course, this has to be based on real evidence and real conversation, that the people listening to the story start to get into the mindset of the person they're talking about. They inhabit the character. And if you give them the opportunity to share a favorable response to your change, all of your audience is going to follow suit. They're going to look for positive connections, things they can do. On the other hand, if you cast doubt on your own ideas or you show resistance, the brakes go on and people listening to you are going to think negative things. So the trick in the, in the leader's role when you're shaping stories that help shape the future is to make sure that you include real reactions from people and what the real changes to them are going to be. Your employees, your customers, your partners will know if you're not telling the truth. They will feel it. So make sure you tell the truth, but use your design of the business in the story so that the details come through and people can go, you know, that makes a lot of sense. I see how this can kind of help that. We can go into some specifics if you like, but that's the general idea. People people get so excited when they start shaping these stories about the people that work with them. Yeah, and, and what I'm hearing you say, Mike, is that the result of that is a sense of collective envisioning, not, uh, not handing our vision down yeah. from on high, exactly. uh, which, which many leaders can be guilty of and which marketers are guilty of when they're just pitching. You know, I mm-hmm. have just the ticket for you. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean you have just the ticket for me? Uh, <laughs> I don't hear me in your yeah. story or in your pitch. I don't see my future in what you've just put together. And 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 so Perfect. that that collective envisioning, collaborative yeah. envisioning is really what you're talking about. And and yes, I'd love to hear specifics. Give me an, yeah. an example of how that's so we used to we used to call that like same page. So yeah. Um, there was a, a project I did for um, a change management consulting consultancy, along with a couple of partners of mine. This this work is probably, God, it's probably ten or eleven years old right now. But at the time, there was no such thing as professional services automation software. Mm. So they were either going to make their own or buy something very limited off the shelf, and they needed some help figuring out, you know, which way are we going to go. 
So we did some interviews and we followed the good consulting practices and we ended up with nothing because you, you can't use yesterday's experience to predict tomorrow. It just, there is no, what do you call it? Regression analysis for the future? Not in today's world, it just doesn't work. Back in the Howard Johnson's day, yeah, but not now. So we invented a character and we named her Lindsay. And uh, Lindsay was recruited from another regional firm. We had this whole backstory about her and she was gonna come to work at this company. And we took her through what it would be like to work with this new professional services automation software. So she gets an email and she logs onto the portal and then she breaks her leg and she can't come into the office, poor thing. And this is before like telework was like so cool. Remember this was 10 years ago. So um, we had her go through a number of things. She was able to have one-on-one -on -one teleconferences with each of the members on her team. The morning of her first day, all of her orientation stuff was set up online and she could go click, click, click and take care of things and move tasks to her to-do list and move calendar items over here. Her boss had prearranged seven meetings so that she could get to know the client associates and blah, 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 blah. And then her computer didn't show up because of a glitch. Well, she was able to use, you know, uh, anybody else's computer and go online because it was a web service. And this happened and that happened and then her leg healed. And then she went through mentoring. This was a year later into the story. We just, with stories, you can like do these magic leaps of time and place. Sure. She was mentoring another consultant. She was actually mentoring a couple of them. So it showed how this system could kind of grow. So they ended up um, going down the path of using this professional services automation software because of the story. And there was a cost savings benefit to it. And everybody could feel like they knew what it was going to be like because they could be Lindsay and they could imagine not being able to go to work. Maybe their leg wasn't broken. Maybe they weren't female. Maybe they had a different specialty, but they kind of got the idea. And they figured out that if the software could move your to-do items as well as your appointments and your boss could pre-schedule things for you, they kind of figured out some of the other things the software could do for them too. And they thought, you know, and this is a discovery, this could be good for me. And when you tell a story and it leads to a discovery, everybody wins. That is yep. the magic behind stories. Don't tell let people figure it out. So don't bring 110%, bring 90%. That's enough. If they can't figure out the rest, you know, do something else. <laughs> there, there was a very, very important phrase in what you just said, Mike, and that was everybody could feel, feel, feelings, emotions, the experience that is so much more powerful than a memo that says this system will enable us to increase productivity by X percent, or it might even describe it. It, it reduces the time you have to spend on time consuming tasks. Well, okay, that, that sounds great. But mm -hmm. what the story does is it enables you to feel, to imagine, to envision Mm -hmm. what it would be like to be that employee using the system, working without it versus working with it. And when that story is working and people do feel it, it's answering the question, what will this do for me professionally? What will this do for me personally? Yeah. And, yeah. and as a result, there's buy-in, there's a sense of ownership around the vision yeah. and, and, and people jump aboard. It's a great example. 
Yeah, po positive expectation about the future rather than reticence or digging in your heels. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So Mike, how can people find you and who are the right people to connect with you? Sure. Well, it's easy to find me. Um, you can just Google my name, Mike Wittenstein. I'm sure it's down here somewhere, W-I-T-T-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, -T -T -E or look for storyminers.com. Storyminers is one word. The kinds of folks that we can help are generally business leaders. They can be consultants or coaches or advisors to business leaders or the business leaders themselves who need a thinking partner, who need someone to help them, you know, head to head, figure out, you know, where am I going? What am I doing? These are not long drawn out expensive engagements. These can be, you know, very quick touches, if you will. And the other kind of client situation that is great for story miners or for me to play in is when there's a huge amount of change going on at the same time. We're trying to reinvent our product line. We're looking at changing our brand. We want to become a services company as opposed to a sales company. When there's a big migration from one way to doing things to another, lots of moving parts, lots of individual adjustments, lots of decisions, I can help leaders and leadership teams figure out the right things to say so that everybody moves together. And by the right thing to say, it's never, ever, ever manipulative. It's always about getting to the right answer that creates good for all the different audiences at the same time. That's Thanks for great. asking that. Yeah. Oh, you got it. And uh, <laughs> any parting thoughts before we call it a day? I would say um, no matter how hard you try or how much you spend, your brand and your company can't be any better than what your customers experience. Mm -hmm. so if it doesn't show up to them on the front lines, you haven't done your job of operationalizing your good idea. So what you promise better be what you deliver and always a better experience is a good answer. Terrific. Mike, thank you so much. I encourage everyone to go and check out storyminers.com. Did I get that? Yeah. Storyminers, yeah. plural. Absolutely. Com. And uh, Mike, great conversation. We do see eye to eye on so much and I really appreciate you. I appreciate the work you're doing and I hope that everybody who's listening goes and checks out Mike and connects with him at some point. And for the folks that I send, please check out Tom's three E's. They're very cool. Thank you, Mike. for listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails, download free business-building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com slash resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Outside my window